Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Everywhere around me, I'm finding symbols. The mountain's billowing mist, it's a reminder to breathe. In my rain-soaked possessions, a reminder about what I truly need. In the freshly inked scars on my arm, a reminder of all that I have encountered. Last night, Francis told me that Apovang Odd believes that when you die, you lose your possessions. You lose your jewelry, your shiny things. But you take with you your flesh, and you take with you your tattoos. I've heard that the eyes are the window to the soul. If that's true, then apples reflect her true nature. And there's mischief in there. A bit of sadness. And there's a young woman with lines of ash running the length of her arms. She's radiating beauty while she cuts the flesh of a young man recently returned from battle. He'll receive a new tattoo on his chest, a symbol of his victory. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, episode number 66, Apo Vang Odd. I'm in Manila. It's pretty noisy here, so you may hear some street noise in the background. I flew here from Shargao with a quick stopover in Cebu. When I got here, I was really, really sick. I had the, you know, Southeast Asian traveler stomach. I had a sinus infection. I was feverish. So I got off the plane, and the typhoon that had hit through Southeast Asia and up into East Asia and Japan, the after effects are, they're still going here. So every single day that I've been in Manila or in Northern Philippines, it has been pouring. So I exited the Manila airport, caught a ride. It's kind of nodding off in the back seat, and it's just, it's torrential. It's coming from every single direction. And I remember looking up and thinking, I've entered Blade Runner. There are these huge billboards on the way, I guess, through, you know, Metro Manila uh, on the way out of the airport. And some of them have just, they're just gigantic women. And they move a little bit and they're sort of, um, you know, modeling fashion and things like that. And to me, with the rain pouring down, with the the noisy, crowded streets, kind of dirty looking, and these giant kind of hologram-like billboards above me, Blade Runner. Now, I didn't come to Manila for Manila. No offense to folks from Manila, but coming from Shargao, I wasn't really into to hanging out in a city, really. No. I was here because it was the most convenient way to get to see Apo Vang Odd. Now, I guess for the sake of this podcast episode, I'm just going to refer to her in short as Apo. Um, I had seen a short documentary. Now there are, you know, a number of films on YouTube and on blogs and on uh, Instagram accounts and things like that. But the BBC had done one, and from what I'm told, she was discovered, in quotes, um, by a German guy. Looking that up, that, that might be the video that's on YouTube that's called The Tattoo Hunter. Either way, she was sort of opened up to the world of travel writing and bloggers and things like that in around the year 2007, but had been tattooing for far, far longer than that. Now, what I'm going to tell you is, you know, my secondhand account through people in Buscalon 
in Kalinga, where, where she's from, um, about what the tattoos mean and, and sort of what her gig is. So I hope that I'm representing all of this correctly. But essentially, um, the Kalinga-style tattoo is similar to tattoos that are found in other cultures, but in one hand, the artist is holding a thorn, which is sort of affixed to like a wire, and in the other hand, there's a stick or more like a, like it's kind of like a wooden block. And that's used to hammer the thorn and to create the design. The ink in this case is ash. That's also how this is, the design is first traced onto your skin. And that is made from, I believe it's like, it's almost like pine needles that are burnt. It's, it's a burnt leaf. And then the thorn comes from a tree as well. Um, she's a throwback to the headhunter era. There's a book that is called the last headhunter and it details the final male headhunter who I believe passed away in the 1970s. But essentially when, uh, groups or tribes of people up in the mountains were warring over land acquisition, the men would go to battle and the victor would cut the head off of the opponent and bring it back to the village as a sign of victory. And then there would be a celebration and that warrior, that soldier would receive tattoos. Quite differently, the tattoos for women, such as on Apovang Od and on her sister, where they have full sleeves and their chests are done, that is a sign of, of beauty for women. And I'm told that, um, I mean, she's beautiful now, but I'm, I'm told that Apo was uh, quite the looker in her younger days. And because she has those tattoos, was sought after and um, was able to court many men. <laughs> she still has a, a pretty funny sense of humor when it comes out. And often there are uh, jokes made of a sexual nature. Um, and it's, it, it, it's pretty funny to see her joke around. Um, but essentially that is what these tattoos are now, you know, 2018 with the prevalence of traveling and travel writing and how accessible things are now in terms of information and access to travel, uh, tons of people now are, are, are coming through for these tattoos and they're kind of like a bit of a, of a traveler tourist rite of passage in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia. So clearly, um, folks who are going there now to get tattooed are not headhunters. Um, but, uh, it's cool to see how respectful a lot of people are of the tradition. This is one of really the main reasons why I wanted to come to the Philippines. I didn't think I was going to have a, a chance to, to, to get to see her. Uh, once I made the decision to do so, like I mentioned to you at the outset, I was really sick and I was like, I'm just going to power through. Um, but once in the Philippines, like crippling stomach cramps, diarrhea, the whole, you know, I don't have to detail it for you. The whole traveler stomach thing to where I couldn't even like get up and, 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 and think about a super long bus ride or anything like that. Uh, so I, I almost didn't make it. And then um, these, these rains have been crazy here, just torrential. And, and that played a part also in this almost not happening. Uh, so I'll detail a little bit about how you can go to visit her, to get a tattoo, to visit the amazing people of Buscalan, Kalinga, and um, uh, some of my personal anecdotes and things like that uh, interlaced within the, in the guidance of, of how to get there. So I'll say this at the outset. Um, when you're doing a trip like this, you are entering into other people's lives. What might seem novel to you, what might seem cool and unique and maybe kind of out there, a different standard of living, this is the way that somebody is living every single day. And you are an outsider to that way of life and an outsider to that culture. And so keep that in mind uh, when you're walking around, when you want to take pictures, 
if you want to take pictures with people, ask them, especially if you want to take pictures of children. This should be a, a standard anywhere you go. But again, especially when you're going to a place where the standard of living is different, um, you don't want people to think that you're there, um, you know, putting them in a zoo or um, thinking that they are, are novel and in other, like th this is their home. This is where, where they live. Um, another piece of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, another piece of advice with Apo Vang Od is, um, give her her space. <laughs> if you want to take a picture with her, if you want to hug her, ask her, um, you know, things are going to kind of go with the tattoo session. It, it's going to kind of go the way she wants it to go. Don't be pushy. Um, you will get your tattoo, even if there's a bit of a wait. Uh, there were a lot, eh, there were a decent amount of tourists that were there, a lot of them coming from Asia. In fact, it, almost my entire time in Manila and this whole process, no Americans, um, hardly any white folks at all. Uh, so I was a bit of, of an extra outsider for a lot of this. Um, and then with the different standard of living, I think you should stay there. Like You should stay there at least a night, a couple nights if you can. I wouldn't just go in, get the tattoo, and leave. Uh, this has brought a, uh, an economic source, a, a source of revenue into to the village, and you can further assist with that at you know staying at a homestay, getting to to talk to people. Um, quite a different feel from Shargao, where uh, you know children were eager to come say hello, to talk to me, to go on my morning runs with me. Here, when I would say hello to kids, uh, they were a little more shy. So different culture, right? I, I, I think maybe part of that just has to do with geographic location. You know, we're talking island culture versus mountain culture. Um, but essentially, you're going to need to, if you're going to do it the way I did it, you're going to need to be in Manila. Uh, I decided to stay near where the bus is. If you're in Manila proper, uh, that's not the correct bus station. Um I hope I don't say any of these locations incorrectly. Likely I will. Uh, but uh, Cubao is in QC, Quezon City. And that is where the bus is that you're going to need to take. The bus that you're going to take is the Coda Lines bus. They have a website. I think it's Coda Lines PH, but just Google it. Or you can go there in person and you can purchase a physical ticket. That trip to get out there is going to be at night and it takes about 11 hours. So I left, you can choose eight or nine, I believe. I chose nine and it's a long ride. <laughs> um, it's a long ride on a bus that, uh, at least on the way back, I can't remember if on the way there, uh, but there's music playing, which is uh, all through the night. And it's, you know, it's, it's a bus in Southeast Asia. It's a little bit cramped. Uh, people are going to be a little bit noisy. Um, so you, you're, you are, you're traveling to get here. Like this is just step one. So I'll say that I actually didn't quite realize like what a trip it would be to get there. Totally worth every single second, but it's a trip. So be prepared for that. Now, before you get on the bus, if you have a lot of stuff with you, I would not bring all of it. In fact, I wouldn't bring a lot of it. So whatever hostel you're at, uh, you know, you can do this anywhere. Even, you know, hotels too will do luggage storage. Just say, hey, I'll be back in, in two days or, or so. Can you can you take my bag and look after it? Because you're going to be hiking and the hike is is, is tough. So took the, the bus really without incident. I sat next to a really nice guy. I was, I was lucky that I had a, you know, a, a nice uh, travel mate there. And, uh, one thing to look out for is that, uh, being sort of like the only real foreigner on, on the bus, there, there, there's no announcements in English. There's no, Hey, this is what stop we're at. You really need to pay attention and you're going to need to do that on the jeepney later too. Uh, don't feel bad about asking questions. I could talk to the, the guys that work there, talk to the driver and be like, Hey, how far are we from my stop? This is where I need to go. Can you please let me know when we're there? The buses come with an option for a comfort room, which is a toilet. 
it's a little bit more money if you want that. It will stop two or three times for bathroom and food breaks. So you don't, you know, really have to worry about paying the extra. I was, I was super worried being that I was sick. And I was like, oh God, I hope I make it through this. Uh, sort of, you know, clutching my guts a little bit, but hey man, I made it. So you are going to take that bus to Bontoc. It is the second to last stop, I believe. Sagata is after that. Sagata is a place that is up in the mountains and has caves and uh, I'm told at least is, is a bit more of a popular destination. I got off at Bontoc at about 8 a.m. I had known from reading online that the last jeepney leaves at 9. Um, so I get off. I don't quite know where I'm going. I have to use the bathroom. Uh, there are, all over the Philippines, there are pay toilets. Um, like I said, they're called comfort rooms. And it's usually 10 pesos, which is, what, 20 cents American. Um, and I had seen that there was one down some steps. Now, it is pouring. I don't have rain gear. My bags, which have my recording equipment in it, are not waterproof. I'm soaked. I'm sort of like reserved to be like, all right, I'm just going to be uncomfortable. I might lose some of this stuff. Like it might get ruined. Okay. It's, it's part of this journey. So I walk down the steps. I, I, I use the comfort room. I come out and I, I peek around the corner and there is a little shop. There's really no sign that's up there. Um, I'm thinking maybe they have some coffee I could get. And then I see a sign that says that they have coffee. So I'm excited about that. I get some coffee and I see a guy who's eating a bowl of something and generally a bowl of something, especially is a, uh, if it's a bowl of noodles, uh, in many places in Southeast Asia is a really welcome sign. So I, I peer over what he's eating and I'm like, Oh man, that looks good. It looks like chicken. It looks like noodles. It's steaming. It's broth. Uh, and I, I look at the girl who's working there and I say, Hey, I'll have that. So she's like, Oh, Mia. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll have the Mia, I guess. And what it was, was a hot bowl of soup with egg noodles, uh, green onions, a hard boiled egg. It's hot, steaming, savory, like oily broth. Oh my God. Like it, that was the thing to bring me back to life after 12 hours, 11 hours, um, and, and just, just soaked to the bone. And we talked a little bit and she was like, you know, what are you doing here? Again, I don't, I don't know that, uh, maybe someone that looks like me comes sauntering in there every day. And I told her, Hey, I need to go to the, to the jeepney. So she told me exactly where it was. Um, she then broke out. I was calling it a restaurant. I'm like, Hey, Hey, what's the name of your restaurant? Uh, and she was saying, no, no, it's, it's a coffee shop. Um, so they, they make cakes and baked goods and things like that. So uh, another guy came out and, um, I'm, I'm looking this up right now cause they wrote it down for me. He brought out some treats, uh, D I K E T with sugar and sesame seeds. Good God, man, this was good. Um, they call their shop the Riverside Coffee Shop. So if you are dropped off in Bontoc, what you're going to do is you're going to walk straight to the end of the road and you're going to hang a right. And you're, you're literally steps away from it. As soon as you see some steps going down, I believe they were green, it's going to be right there on your right. The Riverside Coffee Shop. Uh, get the Mia. It will breathe some much-needed life into you after... Uh, you know, a really stiff ride. So thank you to, um, what's her name, Sharon, and uh, the folks at Riverside Coffee Shop. You guys are awesome. Uh, it was pouring rain, so Sharon walked me over to the jeepney stop, and, um, you know, she had an umbrella, which I did not, <laughs> clearly very prepared, which I didn't have, um, and uh, she was, that was just very, very sweet of her. It, it, that's been the case, you know, it's always the case pretty much everywhere, but it's been the case in the Philippines that people are just so willing to go out of their way to be friendly and to be helpful. And that's really been a, a beautiful thing. So there was a jeepney, like a proper jeepney, and then something that was a little bit more like a bus that were both leaving. Um, 
if you don't catch it at nine, I think that's it for the day. I, I'm pretty sure that's why those buses run the, the bus that I took, the Coda line. I'm pretty sure that's why they run overnight. Um, so you're going to take it towards, um, Buscalon, Kalinga. Um, what is the other one? Oh my God, Tim. I'll look it up right now for you, dear listener. Um, I have it on my picture, don't I? Yeah, Buscalon, Tinglayan, yeah, Kalinga. I believe it says Tinglayan. Now, this is where you're going to really need to pay attention. And so what I was doing was I was kind of tracking the signs, and it would say, um, like, Buscalon, Tlingan, Tling. oh, my God, Tim, Tinglayan, um, this many kilometers away. Because, again, you might not exactly know what the stop is that you're stopping at. It, you can ride on the top of a jeepney. I did that on the way back, and God damn, that was amazing. On the way out there, I, nobody would, would sit up top because, again, it was just a, a real proper deluge. Like, it was really storming. It was a, a, a typhoon, man. So, like, yeah, the, the rains were crazy. But, um, oh, man, on the way out, you just, it was sunny on the way out. Everything is just beautiful green, like jungle woods. It, there, there's a river that cuts through the entire trip, and you watch that winding through. There's one spot that looks pretty similar to Horseshoe Bend, where it is is carved out a horseshoe shape in the mountain. Um, oh, it is gorgeous, man. There's rice terraces. It's fresh air. It's like everyone hanging out on top and laughing and, and feeling good. Uh, someone was singing like <laughs> for a while when I was coming back. Uh, that was a beautiful experience. So if, if really both ways, if you have the ability to and it's not pouring, sit on top, man. You know, it won't be stuffy like the inside is. That, how long was that? Maybe like an hour and a half, two hours on the way in. I don't know how much of that our ride was impacted by the rain. Um, there were some rock slides and mudslides, especially coming back out um so it was treacherous there's a few times where you are really like your your wheel is up against the side and and you're looking out over the side and the only way down is very 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 far down uh but very cool man <laughs> like um this is definitely an adventure now um i should say that some people do prearrange a lot of these things online. I did not know to do that. Uh, once I was there, I was told some of the prices that some of those folks charge to sort of take care of all this for you. And it's a little bit expensive. Um, so I'm going to say the way I did it was kind of, I don't know, kind of the way that really worked for me. Um, again, it was a bit more adventurous. It's fun to sort of figure it out as you go. Um, if you're really worried about comfort and safety, I guess you could um, prearrange everything. Um, but hey, man, when you can, throw caution to the wind because it, it, the reward is is quite spectacular. Um, again, and I got lucky. So um, again, I'm really the only Westerner on on the the jeepney. And at some point, I, I do get a little concerned that like I don't know where this stop's going to be. Um, the stop that you take is not Kalinga, not Buscalan, not Tinglayan. Like that's where it's headed towards. You're going to get off at, uh, believe it's pronounced Bugnay, B-U-G-N-A-Y. Um, there's a church nearby. What I did was <laughs> I just I, I turned across the aisle and I said to the, the first person I saw, like, hey, man, uh, do you know where the Bugnai stop is? And he was like, no, no, I don't, but that's where I'm going too. And he was there with his girlfriend. So I was like, oh, cool, cool. So I was like, all right, well, are you getting off to get a Kalinga tattoo? And he was like, yeah, I am. So I'm like, all right, phew, like wipe the brow. Good. Like at least now I'm not alone. Someone's in this with me. Now, at some point the jeepney stopped and it stopped at like a, a fruit and food stand and people were getting off to purchase some stuff. And... Uh, Roderick, right? I will I'll link to your uh, Instagram account, who is the gentleman that I had met. I saw him get off and go and shake hands with somebody. And I, I heard him say something like, oh, hey, you are 
so-and-so. And so he goes and he talks to so-and-so. And so-and-so is wearing a kind of cowboyish type of a hat. And um, it look, I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe he's a guide. And I had heard that you can't get inside the village without a guide. You have to have somebody that can uh, take you inside. I had assumed that maybe I would just like along the way find a guide, um, which if I hadn't met Roderick, uh, would not have happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe you need to, to somehow book that ahead of time. I don't quite know how you do that, but check out the wonderful world of Google and um, I'm sure you'll find some stuff. But, um, so Roderick's talking to the guide and the guy's sort of like looking over at me as I'm in the jeepney and he says something to the effect of like, Hey, are you, are you all by yourself? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. I am definitely by myself. <laughs> and he said, Hey, you're going to come with them and with me. I'm, I'm a guide. Uh, I'm in lonely planet. You can trust me. So I'm like, Oh yes, 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 yes. So, uh, what we do is we get off at the stop, um, and what does he do? Okay, so he uh, has a couple guys there waiting for us, and they have uh, motorbikes. So what you do is you take the motorbike, I believe that was 100 pesos, which is two U.S. dollars, and they'll take you a bit closer. Now, again, it was pouring rain and there were potholes and it was mud. So it's wild, man. Like we're going over rocks. We're, we're sputtering mud all over the place. Um, yeah, man, it was wild. <laughs> so we get to where you then are dropped off to hike. And it's an intense hike. This is why like, you're not going to want to bring all your stuff with you. Again, with the rain, it was like straight up like treacherous. Like it was like perilous. Um, I, I was just caked with mud. We're sliding all over the place. You're trying to grab like some uh, some roots or uh, a, a, a tree branch or, or something to sort of stabilize yourself along the way. Uh, they did have some walking sticks. Um, there's one last stop before you do the hike that ha- that sells some 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 drinks and things like that. And they'll sell you a poncho like thing. It's really just a, like a garbage bag and you kind of cut a slit in it and then you could kind of wear it like a, like a hooded cape. Um, now the important point to make about that because you are hiking in, it's not like there are, uh, just an endless amount of supplies coming into, into Buscalon, right? Everything has to be trekked in. It's the only way to get things in and out. So if you're bringing something in, burning it back out, like especially plastics, especially if it's something that's going to be uh, a potential pollutant, um, maybe you want to bring in some gifts. That's a great thing to do. Uh, Apple Van Odd loves chocolates. Um, I left a couple of shirts there. It, uh, basically, they got really wet, and I was like, I don't want to bring them back out. Um, so I talked to my guy and he's like, listen, we're going to, we're going to wash them. And then some folks here will take them. So it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's great. That's very cool. Um, but otherwise, like, unless you're gifting something, whatever you take in, you need to take out, you know, again, this is, these are people's, this is their home. This this is, these are their lives. Um, so you bring in plastic, bring it back, back out. There, there are a lot of communities in the Philippines that have even banned plastics, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, just. I say that to say that. Um, so you're going up a mountain and then down a mountain over the river and then up a mountain again because Buscalon's up in a mountain. So, um, yeah, it's a track, man. Like I, I didn't, I had read a lot about this whole experience on blogs and things like that. And I didn't quite realize how intense it was. Um, and so we were just, we got there just soaked, uh, you sort of register when you get there, like you have to do a lot of places if you're a tourist, like you just put your information, how long you're staying and things like that. And then you get a number. Luckily I was 10. That's not so bad. Um, I think maybe there weren't a ton of tourists there be- 
because of all the rain and things like that. Um, now we got our number and then we went over to our homestay. So here's another important piece of information. Unless you have prearranged with someone and you've prearranged that your meals are part of your homestay, you need to bring food in. I didn't know this at the time, but that's why the jeepney stopped at that last place where people were getting like some canned goods and some produce and things like that. Um, our homestay provided endless coffee and endless rice. Um, but that's it. And I, I just didn't know. Um, there aren't like tons of shops and things like that really. It's just a bunch of homes and then like a couple places you can stay and then homestays. So luckily again, my guide was super cool. I'll, I'll link to his information in the show notes. But I had said, oh, man, like, um, you know, I, I guess I could go hungry um, or just eat, like, a whole ton of rice. But, like, is there anywhere I can maybe just, like, buy some meat? Um, and he was like, oh, you know, I, I know someone. And so he took me to a family that had been cooking up chicken. It was chicken gizzards and then chicken adobo, you know, Filipino style. Freaking amazing men. Um, and I, I bought some food that they had cooked. And they were pretty happy. Uh, that, I, that I had done that. And they also had uh, cold San Miguel's, like the big ones. Oh, man. So we bought some of those too. Now, you might think like, oh, Tim, you're always having stomach problems. Like you you would tr- trust chicken gizzards? First of all, man, organ meat's delicious. Second of all, I saw, literally saw those chickens die that day. At about noon, I saw those things get plucked and then their throats get cut. So those were, this is about as organic as it can get. So I trust that over a crispy chicken sandwich at McDonald's any day, man. Um, and it was good. It was really, really, really good. And it was really kind of them to allow me to, to buy some food. Um, but maybe in preparation, if you, if you don't, if you're not sure that you're going to have your meals taken care of, uh, bring food. Uh, that would be wise. Um, so we did, we ate, or maybe I ate after the tattoo. Maybe we just had a snack when we got there. Uh, our homestay was a room, you know, just, just a room, nothing in the room, but, uh, really kind of a flat mattress, kind of like a sleeping pad on the ground and that's it. So, uh, again, different standard of living, but be prepared for it. Uh, the bathroom was sort of a corrugated steel type of a dwelling, like a shack with a squatty toilet and a drum, like a plastic drum barrel with cold water in it. There's most places that you're going to go out in villages and towns and things like that. You're going to have cold showers, which are actually really good for you. And now is like really since Shargao is my preference. Um, but what you do is you, there's uh, like a ladle in it. And that's your shower. Like you, you're scooping the water out for the shower and you're also scooping the water out to essentially flush in quotes, the toilet. I'm probably telling you nothing new, right? You, you're a traveler, like you've been all over. Um, but if not, be, be prepared for it. Um, that's how the water goes down in the toilet and that's how you're showering is, is, is through that barrel. Um, so yeah, that was our, that was our homestay. And, um, Went from there then to 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 get a tattoo. Now, Apo Van Odd is 101 years old. I'm told she has arthritis. She recently was pretty sick. I'm very, very fortunate that she's... I'm fortunate. Jeez, that sounds selfish. She's very fortunate that she's in good health. Um, and the selfish part of me is, is, is I was fortunate to be able to get tattooed by her. Uh, nowadays... Mostly, she's only doing her signature tattoo. That's the three dots, and you, you, that's how you know that it came from her. And then she has trained her great-granddaughters in the Kalinga art style and tattoo style, and they then do all the other Kalinga designs that you can get. Um, so I got to meet Apo, which was honestly like... I, I'm always sounding cheesy. Like, I'm not... I'm not really afraid of not sounding cool. Um, but like, I wanted to cry, man. Like this was, this was a production. This is something I had wanted to do for so long. Then I didn't think I was going to make it and I got sick and then it was raining and can we even make it? And 
I was so happy to be there. Uh, I gave her a traditional greeting. Um, I said, can I shake your hand? She gave me her hand. I pressed it to my forehead as a sign of respect. Um, she giggled a little bit at me and then I like, pushed my hand away kind of playfully. And I showed her where I wanted it, back of my arm. And then she hammered away. She was a, <laughs> a bit more forceful than the great-granddaughters. Um, the question everyone asked so far is, oh, did it hurt? I mean, yeah, like it, it hurts a little bit, um, but you're not going to flinch. I mean, part of it is like this stupid like machismo thing, like, hey, man, like she's, she's covered in these tattoos and I can't be like a guy up here um, flinching and making a sound. But really, it's not, uh, it's not so bad. Um, now, you might not like this, but there's a chance, there's a very good chance that she's going to reuse the thorn that she used on the previous person on you. Um, so if you're not into that, you're not going to get a tattoo because um, I saw a couple people ask her, can I have a different thorn, a you know, clean thorn? Uh, not going to happen. She's going to do, like, listen, like, Wow, sorry, I think I just exploded my charger oh, because I'm not using my converter. Well, that's bad. Anyway, sorry, short aside there. Um, yeah, so if that skeeves you out, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Uh, she does have, you know, uh, like wipes um, that she uses. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, it's the real deal. I don't know if she does that because just the volume of people, she doesn't want to waste a lot of thorns, but, uh, if you're squeamish about that, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Um, after that, our guide, who was just fantastic, he helped us to, uh, get a good number with the, one of the great granddaughters. And then we picked out some designs and she gave us a tattoo. So I got um, a symbol I picked out that I thought was appropriate for my whole trip. I'm not really going to talk about the meaning, but I got that done right above the uh, signature tattoo that Apo Vang Aud did. Um, man, what just an amazing experience. Um, it's pouring rain. It's lush green around us. The mountains are, are, are breathing. Like it's, it's, it's like a beast that is breathing out steam. Like there's just steam rising all around us. It was gorgeous. Uh, the town itself is, is just full of charm. You know, it's set up in the mountains and in the rice terraces and there are free roaming, uh, black pigs all over the place, man. They're everywhere. There's, there's chickens and roosters everywhere. So you're getting up at 5 a.m. Uh, with the sound of, of the roosters. Um, there's uh, little kids everywhere. Some of them are running around naked. There is betel nut juice everywhere. You know, it's those nuts that stain, stain your teeth red. It's a stimulant. They also powder part of the plant and wrap that up in the leaf. I'm told somewhat similar to tobacco, somewhat similar to coca, and they chew on that. And it goes from kind of brown to orange to yellow or to yellow to orange to red. And you just see this, this betel spit everywhere. Um, you can do that too if you want to. Um, folks will share. I don't think it's good for you though. Um, it's, it's a place with a lot of charm. That's why I say, like, stay there. Uh, talk to people like you would anywhere. Don't, don't just go for the tattoo and the photo op and leave. Like, take some time. We met Apo's sister. We met the blacksmith in town. The guy who I guess is sort of like the mayor. He's, he's the guy who's been elected as, like, kind of like political leader of the area. Um, and he, man, he was cool. Um, 
one of the really fun things with the guys in the village was that it was like a gin night. He said like two or three days a week, they'll get together and they'll drink gin. And these guys, they put back bottle after bottle after bottle. What they do is they fill up like a, a coffee or teacup with it. They shoot that straight. Like it's, this is not a shot. This is a cup of gin. They shoot that straight. They chase that with water. And then it's the next person's turn. Of course, I tried it. Uh, it's, it's like straight rubbing alcohol. You should try it. Not a gin drinker? Well, you are now. Kind of like you're not a gizzard eater? Well, you are now. You're in Buscalon, man. Um, yeah, that was fun to watch them get like progressively more drunk as, as bottle after bottle after bottle is, 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 is upended. Um, in addition to rice, there is naturally growing marijuana up in the mountains. I'm sure you understand or, or, or at least have heard of how strict the Philippines is um, with controlled substances, and that is one. So what I was told was that like a couple times a month, the soldiers and the police will come up into the mountains and they'll burn it. And I mean, which is crazy. Like I was told like, hey, there's people in the village that are sick or are in pain that could certainly use this. And it grows there naturally. It's not like it's a cash crop commodity up there. It's just a plant growing there that they, that they could use. Um, so, I mean, there's that. Uh, I'm also told there's a, as with governments anywhere, there's a little bit of corruption with like highway, uh, what is it, like highway supervision that some of that money isn't going to repairs. And yeah, like the, the roads are, is a bit rough getting out there. Um, it was beat up. And then on the way out, it was real bad. Like there were landslides. There was a landslide on the way back into Manila that, that we were stuck for like an hour. Um, yeah, that was wild. Um, but yeah, stay, hang out, talk to people, do the gin thing. Um, bring some gifts for folks, like interact with people, talk to other travelers. Um, it's, it's, man, I, I, I can't put into words like how lucky I feel to be doing what I'm doing. Um, this might sound super cocky, but like I feel way more interesting than I ever thought that I would be. Um, this was really a real adventure. Like even though now it's becoming sort of like a thing to do, like it's an adventure. It's, it's a hike in there and it's an experience. Um, I loved my time. I loved uh, the couple that I was hanging out with new members of the Voyages travel crew. Um, you know, the, it's funny, I'm sleeping on the floor and, and there were ants in the homestay. And at one point, like this fat cockroach came running out. And back in New York City, I freaking hated those things. But after Shargao and sort of after breaking down sort of some of like the creature comforts that I needed, honestly, it was just like, all right, like I'll deal like what maybe it'll crawl over me in the middle of the night. I, okay. Um, so your city boy here is becoming a little more, uh, a little more rugged. Uh, woke up in the morning again, you get some fresh, uh, brewed coffee, uh, some rice. I'm never really that ready to eat in the morning. Um, so I just had the coffee and just looked out at the rice terraces we then went for a walk through town, um, you know, talk to some kids, talk to people, tell them where you're from. Uh, a few people offered food. Um, someone was having like a pork belly type of a pork belly and rice. I saw somebody had, they almost looked like chicharron, but they weren't. They were like a fried sugar coated, almost like a donut, but like a harder sort of a substance. And uh, that was offered to me went for a walk through the rice terraces, um, interacted with, you know, some other travelers and things like that. And then it was onto our way out of there. And this is when I then was able to ride on top of the jeepney and God, man, that was so, so great. Um, when you come back, when you are in Bontoc, 
where you're picked up is not, at least for me, was not where I was dropped off. Good Lord, what was that? Uh, Cable Cafe. So you're going to look for Cable Cafe in Bontoc. There's two of them. Uh, it's the one that's just called Cable Cafe. The other one's called like Cable Cafe something. I think it was with a P. Um, but just straight Cable Cafe is where you're going to get picked up. Ride back was, uh, was rough. It was rougher than, I think it took like 12 and a half hours coming back, almost 13 hours because of that landslide and we got stuck. Um, and then it started pouring again. Um, but yeah, an amazing experience. One that I'm always going to remember. One that I literally can't forget because it's been hammered and pounded into my skin. Um, but I'm ready for more, man. I'm ready now to go to, 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 to Borneo and to you know, spend some time there and to learn about that culture and to, you know, Sarawak culture and to go to Kuching and hopefully get one of the tattoos that their, their headhunters would get as well. I'm not going to do an episode on Manila. Um, I don't know that I could do it enough justice. Really sorry to say not, not one of my favorite places. Um, really took me a while to adjust to food culture here Now, when I say that, like home-cooked Filipino food and street food is damn delicious, man. Really, really good. But the thing that's been tough for me is uh, how prevalent like fast food culture is here and snack culture is just not like quite what I'm used to. And so everything is like sugary stuff and, and fast food and fried and things like that. And I can do that on small scale, but like all the time it had me feeling pretty sick. Um, a traditional breakfast would be white rice, white rice with every meal. Um, that that's also tough. I love rice. God, I know I'm complaining, but, um, but white rice three times a day and, uh, you know, good luck trying to go to the bathroom. Um, but a traditional breakfast could be your white rice and then a meat product. So they have these like really like red looking hot dogs, uh, like a corned beef hash, uh, spam, um, something malingsalag is kind of like spam, but what do they call it? Like luncheon meat. Um, so that's not, you know, it's not what everyone's eating all the time, but it's not really what I've been quite adapted to. And so it's been a little tough. Um, tonight I went down to side street and I found this shop that had like some stewed chicken and these greens that are kind of like collard greens. And that was amazing. So when you, when you go to like a mom and pop type shop or first of all, it's way cheaper too. It's, It's way cheaper than the fast food. You know, I got this meal. It was the chicken, the greens and some rice and it was 60 pesos. So that, that's a dollar US and change. Um, yeah, so it's not like the city's only food, but you know, it's a big, loud, noisy city, kind of dirty, very, very flooded from the rains. You know, it's not the city's fault. Um, but I'm ready to go back to, uh, you know, back to nature and back to, you know, a more rural setting. Uh, I'm leaving tomorrow to fly to Lombok. Um, it uh, just triggered in my mind for a second there that when in talking about prices, I should probably talk about some prices for um, the trip to Apovang Odd. She does her tattoo, her signature for 100 pesos. Uh, the conversion rate to US dollars is 50 to 1, so that's 2 US dollars. When you want another design, those range from about 400 to 1,000. Uh, I can do this very quickly. 400 is $8 US. 1,000 is 20. The design I got is quite small. Um, and that was 400. Uh, but I've seen some, some larger ones that people have gotten and, and they're about 1,000. Um, your guide fee is 1,000 for a day. It's $20 for a day. So luckily I was you know, I met some folks and we, we shared the fee. And so, um, that's advantageous because then, you know, split three ways, um, you know, a little less than what, $7. So it's six something. Um, like I said, the motorbike up was, was 
100 pesos, so that's two. The bus, I believe, is like 735 each way, so less than 40 total each way. Um, and the homestay was 300. So all in all, all of this together for really an unbelievably amazing experience, um, maybe like more pricey than what you're going to want to spend over a two, three day span, but you know, a hundred or less for this unbelievable experience, uh, worth it, man. Totally, totally, totally worth it. Okay. I've done these a bit out of order. Um, the next episode that will come out will be about Shargao. And then after that, you'll hear from me from the other places that I've been. Hope you like this one. Hope that it gave you some quality information if you're looking to go get a Kalinga tattoo. If you would like to support me and this podcast and to help me to put out more episodes and to go see amazing things, um, you can head on over to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash thevoyages of Tim Vetter. And that's a subscription-based service. You can give whatever you want to give. If you can't, hey, I appreciate you just for listening. If you are somewhere out in the world and I am coming near where you live or where you're staying and you want to hang out or grab a beer or show me around or give me some advice for things I should see, I would love that. So get at me on Instagram at the Voyages of Tim Vetter. My email is thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. Uh, couch surfing has been a really great resource so far. And um, yeah, appreciate everybody for listening. Truly and incredibly grateful that I get to, to live this type of a life. And um, really, again, as, as cheesy as it sounds, like my life has just been filled this, this past month or so with, with, with love and with friendship. And uh, I hope the uh, good times keep on rolling. All right, folks, as always, take care of each other and peace.